0: Hi, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. My name is Isabel Ross, and I'm the coach at Peak Endurance Coaching. Today, I speak with Dr. Tracy Alloway. Tracy Packiam Alloway, PhD, is an award-winning psychologist, professor, author, and TEDx speaker. She has published 13 books and over 100 scientific articles on the brain and memory. She is an associate editor for the Journal of Applied Cognitive Psychology and the Journal of Educational and Developmental Psychologist, and is on the editorial advisory board for the Journal of Research and Reading. Her research is in the top 10 cited list by Scopus and cited over a thousand times. She blogs for Psychology Today and Huffington Post. In our conversation today, we discuss the themes of how do we find the motivation to train when there are no races? How do we deal with the uncertainty of these times when we don't know what the future holds? How do we plan for the future when we don't even know how long we'll be in lockdown? We're currently in stage three lockdown. How do we deal with getting through the day, let alone the week and the month? What are some of the other things that we can do to um, focus on the positives? I do also apologise in advance. There was a bit of a technical issue at the start. You can't hear Tracy as she described some of her background. I couldn't hear her either, as you'll be able to tell from me saying I can't hear you. But the microphone symbol on my laptop showed she was still recording so i didn't get her to repeat what she said because i was hoping that it it had actually um recorded and it was just me that couldn't hear it so unfortunately it didn't work out that way so my apologies there i think you still get the main idea anyway i hope you enjoy the podcast Hi and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast, Dr. Alloy. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
0: So um, I've told my listeners a little bit about you, um, but maybe you should just give us a bit of a background, maybe of how you got into um, psychology and, or you know, where your interest in that lies and, and that sort of thing.
1: Sure. Um, so I received my PhD in psychology from the University of Edinburgh in the UK. And really one of the big areas of my research interest at the time was um, I was um, leading several government funded projects to understand a part of the brain called the prefrontal cortex and working memory. And working memory is our active memory. You can think of it as the memory that we use when we're putting two pieces of information together and I became interested in the role of working when first in education and then as my research program grew my interest also expanded sorry I think we've lost you
0: I can't hear you at the moment
1: bear crawls and things like that so I've uh, begun publishing or have published research in, in, in a range of different areas with respect to working memory and how we use that in various aspects of our lives.
0: Uh, okay, and um, so um, I also see you've done a lot of, um, you know, um, writing for journals and all that sort of stuff. So you're quite an expert in your field.
1: Yes, yeah, so I published over 100 scientific articles um, on working memory on different parts of the brain and how we make decisions. And I also have 13 books um, looking at working memory in different aspects as well.
0: Okay, so I had some, as as um, you know, I, I sent you some thoughts on what I would like to talk about. And um, I'm just thinking with everything with the coronavirus at the moment, it's really affecting um, people psychologically. Um, obviously, there's a physical aspect to it all, but with lockdowns and things being closed and people losing jobs and um, certainly for runners, races being cancelled and all that sort of thing, how do we, say, as athletes find the motivation to train when there are no races? And, and even just for people in general, how do they find the motivation to just go about day-to-day life in, in these sort of difficult times?
1: yeah that's a great question, and I have two tips for your um listeners, Isabel. The first I would suggest is really if drawing from a lot of the published research on motivation, and oftentimes when we have a big goal, it's very hard to actually accomplish that even out with the situation, so let's say someone. Um, is a runner, but maybe wants to uh, amp up their goals and do a half marathon where they typically do 5Ks and so on. So that can be very difficult sometimes to find motivation. And so one of the big tips that we know from research is to actually start with a very simple action. So when you wake up and you're getting ready for that day, put on your running shoes instead of just wearing you know, flip flops or sandals or some other kind of shoe. Research has found that by putting on running shoes, we are far more likely to actually go for a run, even if it's a short run, than if we were wearing a different kind of shoe. So, so there's something in our brain that cues us every time we see, we look down, we see, oh, I have running shoes on. I guess I'll go for a run. So that would be my first step is that even in these times, um, I know uh, I'm in Florida, as you might have mentioned to your listeners. what We've just had a stay at home mandate. But essential activities such as walking, exercise with social distancing being observed is still uh, allowed. And so running is certainly an activity that we can still participate in. And putting on our running shoes will make us far more likely to do that. So that's the first suggestion. The second suggestion draws from my own research where I was interested in how we can increase motivation for someone who wants to start an exercise program. And we were looking at something called uh, physical self-efficacy, which means how likely are we going to stick to the goal that we've set out? And we found that the biggest motivating factor for our uh, users was if they focused on a positive or even negative emotion, while they were right after they were exercising. So after they exercised, if we asked them how how good did that feel? Um, was that helpful in helping you take away some of the stress, some of the anxiety that you're feeling right now? We found that the more they focused on the emotion associated with the activity, the more likely they were to say, "Yes, I'm going to stick with this." exercise program much more so than hey I you know I I want this summer goal I want to be healthier especially now when it's very difficult to envision what things might look like a month from now two months from now having that as your motivator could be a lot more tricky because we simply don't know what to expect but if you focus on the emotion immediately after that exercise that's that immediate gratification that you're focusing on and you're far more likely to then exercise the next day. the next day and so on.
0: I like that. That really makes sense. And I I do know that a lot of runners find that it makes them feel better in that moment. So that is something really positive to focus on.
1: It is. And, you know, just another takeaway for your running community as well. A lot of the research shows that for uh, moderate levels, mild to moderate levels of clinical depression, running was found to be as effective as medication now not for severe cases but certainly Mm. for more mild uh, clinical levels of depression so going for run especially when we're starting to feel the potential negative effects of social distancing and social isolation running can be a great way to keep some of those negative feelings at bay
0: yeah yeah that sounds fair enough and um how do we just in general, deal with the uncertainty of these times, like regardless of running um how do we deal with just like people who've lost their jobs and um, are struggling with you know everyday things? How do we deal with that?
1: and that is tricky because obviously losing your job is a lot um more complex of a situation compared to. You know, not being able to see your friends for dinner on a Friday evening. And it's also compounded by the fact that it's hard to plan. So, usually, one of the uh, big things is that you can make a different plan. So, what I would say here is two things. One is to reframe. So, you know, if you're in a situation where you may have lost some work, how can we reframe that? To, you know, there is this idea that i wanted to pursue but i've always never done that because i was in a stable job situation now here's a chance that i can be a little entrepreneurial be a little creative so it's important to try to reframe the situation or or even you know reframe You know, I've been wanting to spend more time with my family, and now I get a chance to do that a bit more. How can I make this a positive experience? So as much as possible, try to reframe that. And then the second would be to be proactive, to have some goal. And in my own research, again, we um, tested over 3,000 individuals, and we found that it's very important to have a sense of autonomy. Or control in what you can control. So while we can't control when this will stop, when things would, you know, um, kind of flatten the curve will be flattened, we cannot. And, um, predict that, we can be in control of what we can do. So can we get our resume together during this time so that when opportunities arise, we're ready, that our part is, you know, we're ready to go. What can we do on our end and be in control of on our end when it comes to, you know, the job situation that make us more prepared?
0: Yeah, that sounds a good idea. And and doing things proactively, I guess, like getting your resume together and upskilling and those sorts of things is what we can focus on, I suppose. Mm -hmm. How do people deal with the um, social isolation that we are going through now? And and do you see yourself like that it might have more far-reaching repercussions in that it might become habitual for people? There has been
1: some research that has looked at the effect of um, social distancing in other situations um, where you know it can certainly lead to some mental health concerns, mm. and, and that is, of course, common. Um, so when they were communities that were quarantined in previous outbreaks of SARS, H1N1, and so on in the early 2000s, um, there are some medical journals that have looked at various studies and, and show that... They were higher levels of stress, of insomnia, uh, and so on. Um, Now, we can avoid some of that. So first of all, um, a third of the individuals in these different studies did experience some mental health issues. But of course, that meant two-thirds of us were able to create a buffer system to protect ourselves during times like quarantine and social distancing. So a few tips for your listeners. Um, One is that... We can replace loneliness by visualizing. So research shows that loneliness can distort our perception of relationships. So even just thinking I'm lonely can make us feel and um, it can make us devalue some of our relationships. We might think, oh, you know, really that relationship or that friendship I had wasn't as great as I thought it was. So the first step would be is just not, not even entertain that thought of loneliness. And when you do feel that, replace it with immediately thinking of an event a social event that you shared with those individuals that you really enjoyed so maybe you have a coffee morning go ahead and visualize that you know being there remembering the times you had there to kind of replace that um, moment where you may start to begin to devalue those relationships the second thing is based on my own research and i have a ted talk on this as well is the power of social media and i found that social media was really effective in increasing levels of empathy. And other research looking at brain imaging, when we engage in online social media platforms, found that we generate the same benefits from online interactions as we do offline interactions. So there's a real power to you know, having a Zoom video conversation, having a FaceTime video, even actively engaging on social media by leaving a comment on someone's Instagram or Facebook page. All those are really great and easy ways to feel connected with your community, and I know a lot of people are working out using Zoom, so they have virtual classes where you can still do a little workout, and, you know, I, I've seen friends do it with a simple a CrossFit workout at home, where they're doing, you know, a little home circuit, and they're sharing that with other friends via Zoom video, and there's, there's great power. The power to that can't be underestimated, because there's a lot of research to show that we're getting the same Um, social benefits of feeling connected just by seeing other people yeah they're doing the same thing I'm doing we're working out together
0: yeah yeah that's fair enough and and do you think that there is the capacity for it to become like with the social distancing of of um steering clear of people that you see like physically of that becoming an habitual thing for people or not
1: Um, Not in the long term, no, I, I don't think so. And the main reason why I think that won't happen is because we're wired to connect. One of the first hormones that's released when we're born is oxytocin which is called a bonding hormone or trust hormone. And that's what the mother releases as they bond to their uh, to their child. And that's something that we crave. We, we see that in, in long-term relationships, in stable relationships, that that hormone is a good predictor of how successful even that relationship will be if you feel like you're able to trust and bond with an individual. So, no, I don't think that we will you know, end up kind of rewiring our system after this dissipates. So that's, you know, that's good news. I mean, even now we're still looking to connect with people. We're just being more creative and adaptive in the ways in which we do that.
0: Yeah, that's true. All righty. So how, um, like with uh, lockdowns and, and currently in Melbourne Australia, which is where I'm recording from, we're um, mm-hmm. in stage three lockdown. I think that sounds very similar to what you're doing where you're allowed outside. Um, and you know people are spending a lot of time at home and watching Netflix, I guess, and that sort of thing. What should people be doing to keep themselves sort of um, i don't know uh, focused on on him you know, not just becoming a cake potato and, and just sitting there getting like, you know, but actually getting productively through, through a day.
1: Yeah. That, and that's a great question. And, uh, you know, a really important one as well. And I would say that a, a couple of great things that we can do one, if you are feeling a little low, um, I would suggest starting a virtual flash mob, you know, something fun. And the reason for that suggestion is it, it, creates what sociologists call a collective effervescence. That's when you have the shared emotional excitement. So you know if you're feeling a little sad, maybe I know that you know a lot of people are doing little jokes called the distance dance where they all dance and then they post their videos kind of stacked up against each other. And I know runners have been doing this for quite some time where they'll do runs together in their garment and track each other. And mm-hmm. I have uh, you know runner friends on on Instagram as well that will post their runs side by side. So they're in different different states, even different countries. So I have friends in Europe and friends in the U.S. and friends in Australia, and they're just, you know, tagging each other and actually doing a post with their ones all together, creating this feeling of collective effervescence, this shared emotional experience from actual activity so that would be one thing to keep doing to keep maintaining connection the second is use this as a time to pursue creative endeavors and um, i'm writing a new book and one of the chapters i just finished working on was looking at creativity and what's happening in the brain and when we are engaging in a creative process um, we're actually using a part of the brain that's called the default mode network, which is more a subconscious aspect of the brain. We're not fully engaged, but that's where that aha moment is coming. And because we have so much downtime, we're getting a lot of this kind of low level activity where we're not constantly focused on an activity just because you know we, we are being asked to work at home and so on, but we are having this low level thing going on in the back of our brain. And this is a great time to harness that um, opportunity for creative endeavors. Maybe you wanted to learn to play the guitar. Maybe you wanted to try a different exercise program to supplement your running. Um, You know, whatever that might be, this is a great opportunity to spend a little time every day to pursue that instead of, you know, I mean, enjoy Netflix definitely, but also don't lose this opportunity to do something a bit more creative as well.
0: Do you see any positives um, within this whole negative situation? But from the slowing down of society and those sorts of things, do you see any benefits for people? And I think this is, yeah,
1: and I think this is where, you know, we talked about a bit earlier, the idea of reframing can be really critical. And then I think it's really great to start each day or end each day with a um, an, a point of gratitude. And there's a lot of research to show the power of gratitude. So I think the more we articulate gratitude for what we have, the easier it is to reframe and think of what can be positive in the situation. So for example, we could say, you know what, I don't usually have this much time to FaceTime my parents who live in a different state. But because I'm home more often, I've been spending every day at six o'clock, calling them on FaceTime, finding out how their day was. And that's a real positive. Um, So that could be one. You could say, second of all, I don't usually get to spend so much time with my family in person in the same space because usually everyone's rushing to their own respective activities. We just kind of touch base really, you know, at brief points throughout the day and not really have a great time where we're playing board games together, doing a puzzle together. And that, that, that's a real positive as well. Or you could say, you know, with my partner, we're always saying, oh, we should make more time to have lunch together, but we're so busy with work, we never do, and now we get a chance not only to have lunch together, but to actually make lunch as well as eat it together. So really um, spending a small moment each time, whether it's the start of your day or the end of the day, either writing it down or articulating it out loud, a point of gratitude is a great way to shift our set point in our brain from a more pause, kind of pessimistic, oh, this is really tough. When is it going to change to a more optimistic outlook? And again, in my own research, I found that having an optimistic focus is a great buffer against experiencing depressive symptoms, which is especially crucial at a time like this.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point about being grateful because we still have many wonderful things and really, we truly are lucky like, to be able to sit and watch Netflix at the end of the day, like, you know, you know, exactly. Like, yeah, there's plenty of things still to be grateful for. <clears throat> um, do you have any <clears throat> other sort of tips for people other than say the gratitude um, diary, I guess you might call it, say, do you? believe in any sort of mindfulness or meditation or anything like that as, as beneficial. Yep, that. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and that's great. And in fact, there's a lot of research by uh, various labs um, looking at the power of um, mindfulness meditation in actually physically changing how our brain functions when it comes to this pessimism, optimism outlook. So mindfulness and meditation is not just helpful in making you feel good in the moment or feel better in the moment. It can actually functionally change the way in which we use our brain. So in other words, you know, the same way we think, well, exercise changes my muscles and how Mm -hmm. I can move Mindfulness does the same thing to our brain muscles, if you will, when it comes to mental health and outlook. So, real value there. But if it's taking a while and if you're feeling like it's it's a big um, thing that you have to work towards to practice that, then a really quick tip that your listeners can do is to focus on the breath. And here, um, I call it sigh it out, um, like S I G H. And you may yeah. notice that when you're feeling stressed, when you're feeling anxious, you automatically do that sharp intake of mm. your breath so you automatically do that and it's your brain's physiological way of coping with the increased level of stress so my recommendation is again based on research where it's, it's used in therapy a lot where when be intentional when you sigh we are automatically going to sigh in but be intentional in having a long sigh out so okay. quick breath in five counts for a long exhale and again um, breathing out triggers our relaxation response. So it's a nice antidote to that stressful sigh in. And it's just, you know, it's quick, it's easy. You can do that at the moment. And as I mentioned, it's used a lot of therapeutic settings where you get the individual to be intentional when they notice they're sighing in, you know, they're kind of breathing in a lot more because of the stress and the worry about what's going on. Don't stop with that quick breath in, focus on a nice, slow exhale and count it out
0: that's good to know that's good thank you and um what do you think about say you know meditation apps and those sort of guided meditations do you still think they are beneficial
1: yep there's a lot of research on the power of that as well my only caveat to that would be researchers show there's different meditation can have differential effects so if you're already feeling low and you're having negative affect experiencing things like um depression Having a kind of meditation that is emptying your mind can actually be counterproductive because that's often an opportunity. Sorry,
0: that's interesting. Yeah, keep going.
1: Yeah, so having having that empty mind, if you will, when you're meditating, uh, gives you that space to ruminate on negative thoughts even more. And so, a better approach when you are opting for meditation is to focus on a positive image focus on a positive statement and that's found to be more effective in boosting positive affect as well.
0: Okay that's really interesting I hadn't I did not know that so that's certainly something for the listeners to keep in mind. Um, Do you have any other sort of interesting points that you might like to share with us in this regard or anything that you think the listeners would like to hear?
1: Yeah so there are Couple of things you know are great again, research tried and true ways to feel better to boost good feelings, if you will, especially during these times, we could all uh, use a little feel good uh, yeah. sprinkle on us um, there are two things to do: one is to give a gift, and I know that you know amazon's purchases have skyrocketed during <laughs> this time, but instead of buying things for you take a moment to buy something and mail it to someone else so there's a lot of research to show that giving a gift really boosts a lot of positive uh, emotions as well, positive uh, hormones and also things like oxytocin, like we just talked about a bit earlier, that trust hormone tends to be elevated. So giving a gift is a great way to feel good and also shift the focus away from how you know, we may be feeling at the moment and, and do something uh, generous for someone else. Um, a second tip, if you are an animal lover or if you are a pet owner, petting your dog um, also boosts our oxytocin levels. It's a great way to feel good right away. Um, a third thing that you can do if you don't own a dog and you feeling a little like Scrooge and don't want to give a little bit right now, well, expressive writing is also a good way to reduce stress, and it can actually have a beneficial effect on our immune system because it lowers our cortisol, which is our stress hormone levels. So a few things: one, something you can do for other people. Uh, petting a dog, if you are a dog owner, be sure to give them lots of cuddles, that'll boost your oxytocin. And third, um, writing, expressive writing to reduce your stress level.
0: What What is expressive writing? Is that like writing your feelings out? Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah, it could be exactly expressing how you feel using, you know, words. So instead of just saying, today, I did this, uh, worked with the kids, spent time with family actually express your feelings a lot more Um, and there are lots of guides online even if you know if we're talking about creativity again for how you could uh, write expressively in a in a helpful way but that may just be expressing gratitude. It could be expressing some of your emotions, positive and negative. Um, It could be expressing your feelings for someone else. You could want to say, hey, I'm so grateful for your friendship, you know, and then even be concrete. You can say, hey, remember when we took this trip together? What a great time we had. Or remember when we went for dinner a few months ago? What a, you know, we had such a great time catching up. So you can combine uh, some of these things that we've been talking about today with expressing Feelings, uh, positive emotions that you've shared with other people, and use that as a method to connect as well.
0: Oh, that's great. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for all of those tips, and I'm sure the listeners will find that <clears throat> very helpful. Um, where can the listeners follow you online? I know you're on Instagram and Facebook.
1: Yep, that's right. So, my uh, Instagram handle and my Facebook page is uh, Dr. Tracy Alloway. That's D R. Tracy Alloway and my website has lots of great resources. That's tracyalloway.com. Uh, that's T R A C Y and then Alloway is A L L O W A Y.com. Uh, lots of resources, links to my books on Amazon which you can give as a gift for a friend <laughs> um, and lots of actually research articles as well are on there that you, they're all clickable links. So if your listeners are interested in reading a bit more about my research, I have a lot of videos as well from my TV clips, my Ted talk is on there. So hopefully it'll be a, a source of uh, encouragement for your listeners as
0: well. Yeah, for sure. And well, I mean, a lot of them will have a lot more time now, so I'm sure that they'll be able to spend some of that time looking into that because it really will be a positive influence um and i think something really positive to do so thank you so much we really appreciate you sharing your great knowledge with us and um, i appreciate your time thank you so much for having me on your podcast no worries thank you very much goodbye thank you I don't know about you, but I got a lot out of that conversation. Some takeaways for me were meditating can actually be counterproductive if we let an empty mind ruminate on the negatives. I didn't know that. We need to focus on the many positives that still exist in our lives. And believe you me, there are still many, although to be honest, sometimes it truly really doesn't feel like it, but there are. Um, a social media can be used to draw us together. And please, let's use it that way, not as a way to create divides, but as a way to come together and show empathy and care for others. And that also focusing on the feeling of a run can be a motivator as much as planning for a race. What were your takeaways? Please don't forget to get on over to Apple Podcast to rate and review. It really does help me to get more high profile guests on the podcast. Thanks in advance for your support. I truly do appreciate it. As I always say, I know it feels like things will never return to normal, but it will eventually. (sighs) Fingers crossed. And before you know it, races will start up again. You don't want to be behind the eight ball and have to work on your base from scratch. A well-planned program will ensure you're fit, strong, and ready to get into the race season. I heard a great quote on a podcast recently that sums up my philosophy for training. So while the others aren't, and you shall reap while the others can't. And this is so true. You don't want to be scrambling to get your fitness back and risk overtraining and injury when you can work on all of that now and just need to Um, sharpen up for a race. So if you are interested in coaching, email me at isabel at peakendurancecoaching.com.au and we can work together to help you reach your goals no matter what they are. They could be a virtual race. They could be um, an FKT. That could be running a course that you normally do faster than you ever have before or feeling better than you ever have before. There are so many different goals that are around that doesn't have to involve a race. So have a think about it and get on to me if you would like some coaching. Have a great week. Stay safe. Stay fit. Look after your loved ones. And remember, we are all in this together.